Hypermasculinity has its own toxic shadow, of course, as we're now all very well aware. And so the pendulum swung too far and it conflated masculinity itself with the toxic elements of it. But those things are separate. Toxicity and masculinity are absolutely separate. The toxic masculine is an articulation of a particular type of masculine, but it's not commentary on masculine in general. The divine masculine is a far, far, far different thing and is as vital and needs to be as strong and and potent as the divine feminine. And there's also, by the way, a shadow aspect to the feminine. There's a shadow aspect to everything. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Two Lads Podcast, episode 25. Um, This week, we are so excited to bring you our fabulous guest, uh, Aubrey Marcus. If you don't know who Aubrey is, he uh, is the founder of Onnit, which is a lifestyle brand um, specializing in total human optimization. He's also a New York Times bestseller. He is the host of the Aubrey Marcus podcast, and he's also a founding member of Fit for Service uh, Fellowship. Uh, He's a philosopher. He's super into, um, you know, just optimizing yourself um, in all aspects of self. Uh, I think he's a really uh, great model for masculinity in today's culture and uh i've been listening to his podcast for years and uh and so is daniel and so uh yeah really excited to have him uh on the show um so i don't really know anything else to say other than let's just get straight into the episode let's get into it and uh yeah see what you think i hope you enjoy it as much as we did here's episode 25 of the two lads podcast with aubrey marcus right now This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It is much more affordable than in-person therapy and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. The Two Lads podcast listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash two lads. That's betterhelp.com slash two lads. Yes, mate. Yes, mate. Aubrey Marcus, welcome to the Two Lads podcast. Yeah, happy to be here, guys. Aubrey, what a pleasure. We are so honored to have you and uh, we're excited to talk to you today. Uh, how's it going? That's a big question, right? I mean, <laughs> in what way? Like personally, yeah, things are pretty good. My wife is great. My family's good. I love my friends. Uh, the world, eh, I don't know. It's a little, it's a little dodgy right now. I'd have to say, but I have faith. I have faith. Hasn't it always been dodgy? It has, but the dodginess has been hidden under the surface. You know, right. it's like now I think the dodginess is being exposed, and so now we get to take a look at it and realize what likely has been there. But certain things have surely become exacerbated. I think exponential technology and different macroeconomic conditions and of course the pandemic which is a product of potentially 
variety of different things, but things are reaching a point where they can no longer self-sustain. And I think we're seeing now the, uh, the urgency to change course. Yeah. Is there a particular brand of dodgy that you think is the most, you know, that needs the most attention right now? I mean, you know, I think there's that feeling, right, of this unease that people are feeling. Is there something that you think is the most dodgy of all of all of all of it at the moment? (sighs) There's the biggest issue. the, The biggest issue that's upstream of everything is is consciousness, collective consciousness. Right. So everything downstream of that from economic decisions, health decisions, public policy decisions, different social decisions, everything that's everything that we're seeing and we're feeling is coming from uh, a poverty of consciousness that is now playing out. And I think it's now becoming more urgent for us to raise our awareness, open our hearts more, you know, start building stronger community. And all of that sounds like cliche and trite, but it's for real. Like we, we're going to have no other option other than to do that or face even more dire consequences. So I think it's really a consciousness game. Like, can we get to the point where we stop seeing everybody else as other and start seeing each other as part of a single organism that needs each other to survive? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I was watching the Gathering of the Tribe film Mm -hmm. and you know i i i thought it was so beautiful and a beautiful message and what what you're talking about there about consciousness um for people that are like really new to this like that what that sounds a little woo woo and a bit like what is consciousness and Mm. the message in the film then i think that you speak of a lot is this like the connection of humans humanity through through openness through heart space through through spirituality all this kind of stuff but isn't there malevolence always in the world so so in the message of the film was we've gone astray and we're coming we we want to there's a potential for us all just to be light in the light and i think for me my own journey of discovering myself through the pain through through shadow and all that kind of stuff do you, are you saying that we can reach a place where there is no darkness? Of course not. Right. But so you have to be able to hold paradox to understand really anything when you're talking about metaphysical cosmology and the essence of light and dark. You know, there's a great quote from my teacher, Dr. Mark Gaffney, and it comes from the Hebrew literature and it says, darkness is light so pure that the eyes cannot perceive it. So there is a place that you can hold a unicity consciousness in which the darkness that we perceive is actually the light. It allows us to have the infinite complexity of life on earth and all of its iterations and free will and choice. Because if there wasn't, you know, those darker impulses and urges and this desire for destruction, we would all just immediately seamlessly slump into enlightenment and it wouldn't even really be a a game it wouldn't be a game of choice it would be a a movie and the movie would all have the same outcome and that's boring you know it's like alan watts you know he has that famous piece on dream you know and it said if we could dream anything we wanted to dream at first it would be pleasure and dancing girls as he says and they would be all just like shits and giggles forever and then eventually we'd create more and more dangerous situations more and more precarious positions that we could find ourselves in so that we could find something within ourselves and live that epic epic story and yeah. i think whether or not you know whether 
I honestly believe that that's potentially what we've been creating. We've just been creating our own fucking Star Wars movie, you know, and here we are. <laughs> and now we get to now we get to live it out. And just like the Star Wars movie, I have confidence that it's going to work. And paradoxically, it requires our very best effort and it's not guaranteed. But, um, but yeah, I think it's darkness and light. You know, that polarity exists and it exists in most of the dimensional reality that we exist in, certainly our 3D world. Um, but there is a place where you could see the totality of everything without the binary polarity of good and evil, dark and light. But it's a paradox. Yeah, it is. Um, I, I see you as somebody that's um, like, I look at I look at you and your, your masculinity and your integrated kind of energy around what it is to be a man, but also your ability to be very in touch with your emotions and the way you articulate yourself and, and all that and, and, and your spiritual sense. <clears throat> How did you, what was your journey to arriving at that? Like, have you always been able to do that? Or has this been a, a kind of, what were you when you were a young lad? I mean, and like, right. you know, were you snapping around? Where did you right. find your path into this place you are now, which is obviously to, just to finish is that the modern man was told, Oh, you got to be more like a woman. You know, that was what we got told growing up a little bit. That was the messaging. And I think that that's, I don't believe, I don't think that's true. And so you evoke what I believe to be a, a, a really powerful masculinity integrated of all the things. So, you know, what's your kind of pathway to that? Well, first of all, I appreciate the compliment. Um, yeah, I think we get fed a lot of false narratives. And I think prior to the narrative that the masculine needs to become more feminized, there was a narrative that the masculine needs to be hyper-masculine and should not get anywhere near being feminine. You know, like the two words that you were called when you were in, when I was growing up was a denigrating way in which you were describing female genitalia, right? That's you're either, you're either one of those or you were a homosexual also in a denigrating term. Also the insult being that you were too feminine, you know? So if you were showing your emotions, if you were actually feeling things, or if you were writing poetry, or let's say you were like me and you just happened to like My Little Ponies as much as you like G.I. Joe's, right? Like, it was just the way I was. And, but of course, culture doesn't, doesn't like that. There's so much rampant, you know, kind of phobia of the masculine expressing its feminine, that there was this hypermasculinity. Well, hypermasculinity has its own toxic shadow, of course, as we're now all very well aware. And so the pendulum swung too far and it conflated masculinity itself with the toxic elements of it. But those things are separate. Toxicity and masculinity are absolutely separate. The toxic masculine is an articulation of a particular type of masculine, but it's not commentary on masculine in general. Right, right, right. The divine masculine is a far, far, far different thing and is mm -hmm. as vital and needs to be as strong and and potent as the divine feminine. And there's also, by the way, a shadow aspect to the feminine. There's a shadow aspect to everything. So I think, you know, I was I was fortunate that I just had this natural inclination and I had the support of, you know, my family who, you know, was... Yeah, I mean, I had my stepbrothers who, you know, tried to beat me up into the most masculine man I could possibly be. And then, but I also had, you know, my father who was a little bit more intellectual and curious on the spiritual side and my mother who is, 
universally loving and accepting of me, however I wanted to express. And so this idea about being a warrior poet, like being something that shatters the mold of, cause that's what I wanted to be. That's what, that's what, if I really listen to myself, I wanted to be everything. I wanted to be you able wanted, to, you wanted to be a warrior meditation. Poet. Yeah, that was, so that yes. was what my podcast started out is the warrior right. poet project. And that was like right. my idea of bringing these two opposites together and then living this full spectrum life, a life where I could sit on a mountaintop or in a maloka in the jungle and explore my consciousness or write poetry or also stand on the nightclub speakers of the fucking best club in the world and snarl as I have a bottle of 1942 in my hand and dance to hip hop. Like I didn't want to choose one or the other. I was like, I want both. Don't get those mixed up though. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that would be a, that would be a very scary experience to get those mixed up. No doubt. But yeah, I mean, I just, I wanted it all. And, uh, and I carved a life for myself where I could express it all. And I think, I think intrinsically we all want it all and there's no reason why we can't have it. You know, I think yeah. it's just a, a different story needs to be told. Mm. Do you know that book, The King, King Warrior, Magician Lover? I do. Yeah. We, uh, we have a men's team that we, that we run and do every Wednesday night with 10 men. And um, I, I really love that book and how it talks about the Jungian psychology within the realms of masculinity. And, and uh, whenever I'm leading the meeting, I tend to have a little bit of a, a read of that within the circle mm-hmm. and it just mm-hmm. really talks a lot about like boy psychology and then men growing up to never becoming men and they keep in the boy psychology and then you've got all these really powerful men in the world running running businesses running all this stuff but have never or really countries yeah or countries and everything and they're running the show but they're still in boy psychology and that's like yeah. people, you've, you've got the put finger on the nuclear buttons and you're you're a boy is a little yeah. scary you know? yeah. And it's, there's something that we are trying to reach here, Aubrey, which is we're trying to reach out to young men, right? Um, people who don't have access to what is a kind of their own warrior poet, right? And we're trying to say, actually, when you go into an area like, you know, East London or like the, all these places in England that are kind of impoverished or that actually like you say a lot of young lads they think there is only one way actually there's only one way of expressing this masculine uh, form and actually when you get in there and you ask some questions and you there's so much love in there you know and that mm-hmm. and that, why that's interesting is it's a paradox because on the surface they're quite a scary thing to society in general, right? Young, young men with nothing to do. And you go and you go and like, you know, you go and talk to them or you go and play football with them or you go and speak to them at depth and the level of depth and the level of feeling that's in there will surprise anybody. And so, so we're, we're kind of our, our thing is to try and get that right. It's trying to get warrior poets out of these places. And for some, some, some people, there isn't an access for that. So it's good to see men like yourself, I think expressing this in a way Mm -hmm. that feels like, Oh yeah, I can get behind that. For me, that was interesting because I don't, I don't get behind things that seem like they are all one way. You know, they, mm. if people have a certain particular way of going about things, say they're right wing or they're left wing, and it's it, it 
it's their dogma that they live with. I can't get behind that as a person. But your mm-hmm. message, I think, and something that we're trying to get to is like, if you if it's all available, let's go deeper then into that conversation. What's what's running those that behavior? What's causing you to be truant at school? What's causing you to not be express your feelings? And sometimes it comes out surprisingly that there's deep wells of feeling in there that just yeah. don't have an expression. Yeah. So I really like that, that we've never been in the expression of true masculinity, actually, as a, as a kind of, in, in the fullest expression of masculinity as a civilization, we've never had that. We've had the toxic version and we've had the toxic mm-hmm. version of this. Let's try and find it. And the way we get there is through, is through conversation, is through moving through this in a way that's like, fucking, let's go for this, lads. You know, let's go get you. Let's go and find you. Let's go. Let's go. I, was, I want to make a, I was beautiful by the way, and thank you for sharing all that. I want to make a quick distinction between the adolescent masculine and the toxic masculine because they are different, right? Like there's the adolescent masculine, the the boy nature, which is more focused on, you know, ego, ego desires and things. But this is a natural stage that we all, that we all carry. And it's not toxic to have that. It's just toxic when it stays and when it overextends its boundaries and when it starts to use power underneath that guise and it starts to become, you know, it, it doesn't make the necessary transition. It doesn't have the rite of passage that brings you into more of a collective state of awareness of like, oh, actually I'm here to, you know, support and protect all of, all of the world, my brothers, my sisters, my land, my people, all people, all land, all animals, all things like that's what I'm here for. And if you don't make that transition, it will tend to move into more toxic expressions. But, you know, we all have elements. It's not that the, the boy side dies, you know, it's like, it's still there, you know, and it's still there. And it's in, in the beauty of it, the play, the beauty of all of that, we get to keep all of it. And it's not like, we have to get rid of everything, you know, uh, that comes along in our journey. You know, I mean, I, I was thinking yesterday and there is a, there's a little part of a faucet that <laughs> has a missing piece at the farm that we were staying at with my wife. And I didn't do this on purpose, but I knew that if it, if she turned it on, it would spray her. And I heard it, I heard her turn it on and she's howls cause the water sprayed her. And I remember it and I thought it was just the most hilarious thing. And I remember, I remember as I was a boy, we had a little sprayer in our kitchen and I would put little scotch tape around it so that people couldn't see that the lever was pulled down. So people would go to turn on the kitchen sink and they'd get sprayed with water. And I thought it was the funniest thing in the world. And that kind of playful prankster, I mean, I'm a, you know, 40, about to be 41 year old man, but I still like, there's something about that that shakes me with laughter so hard that I want to fall to the ground. And, you know, like that part, like, I'm not going to get rid of that. That's still going to endless, endlessly bring me joy and, yeah. and, and laughter. And I think, you know, so we get to keep more than we think we get to keep. I think we have a lot of fear that, you know, if we get to this other stage, we have to let go of these pleasures and these lusts and these desires and these, you know, playfulness and this, this aspect of ourselves. but we don't, we just have to hold it in awareness of everybody else as well and and see through everyone else's eyes and that's the biggest transition uh for the masculine is just not only seeing through your eyes but seeing through everybody else's eyes yeah i i I agree it's funny because as you get older you just get more silly actually once you start realizing that you should yeah yeah 
You, you it's like it's way too serious to take it seriously. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like if you Agreed. start going down the rabbit hole of like, holy fuck, this shit is fucking nuts. You know, you kind of lose your sense of humor. And then where are you at? You know, uh, we, we, I mean, we just, humor for us. I mean, England, English people have used humor. The difference between like using it to deflect and then using it as like a social lubricant to kind of go in deeper. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a fine line between that for sure. And I certainly can be, use it as a way in and a way out, you know, humor and mm-hmm. goofing, goofing well, around. Fine. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's hard to, to really go in there. I think actually like when we've done uh, plant medicine, uh, we actually met Daniel and I in journey kind of work here in LA. And to me, that's a play space actually, which is a difficult it's difficult to really allow, give yourself permission to play as an adult, you mm. know, and like how much growth comes from letting go and just being in the play of connection and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, the, the journey work for me has really helped me learn that I got sober 12 years ago from like, you know, back in the dr- sex, drugs, rock and roll period of my life. And, mm-hmm. you know, you go into that, overcorrection of absolute control or you think you've got this control and you're holding on for fucking dear life and it's white knuckling a little bit for me at least in terms Mm. of shutting all of the madness down and going into this trying to be order all order from from chaos and like when i started to be able to let go of the reins a little bit it actually freed me into realizing that i can play and grow in that space without having to be so rigid and, and to, you know, enjoy life in some way without throwing my life away, you know? So the play is so important to me. So I get it. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, if we, if we lose that, then what are we even fighting for anyways? I mean, that's the, that's the funny thing. Like there's this idea that you just fight, 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 but for what, you know, fight for a world where we can play and laugh and make love and, eat food and you know just live 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 a full rich life or else what's the fucking point you know it's not that this isn't a game just to survive like we're here to we're here to enjoy life and i think that's something that really has been lost in this pandemic is just the, the honest conversation about like all right whatever you think about policies and whatever obviously we've found a lot of different you know studies that can point to our methods were not particularly effective, but if you want to argue that, that's fine. I'm not going to get into all of that. But ultimately, the conversation about what's the most important thing, survival at all cost or living a rich, full, like right. beautiful life. Like yeah. at some point that conversation needs to happen. And, you know, I, I think it's going to be different for everybody um, yeah. where that line is. But if we wanted to just have safety at all cost. Yeah. We would live in a fucking bubble, you know? Yeah. And like, is that a life worth living? No, of course not. Well, we, I mean, we, we actually, we, sorry, mate, we, we put, we have now put safety as the primary um, goal. It's a virtuous goal in our society now. And it's actually like, that's new, quite honestly, because we would have never gone over the hill if that was the, right. the way. We would just be like, not going over there. Well, let's fucking stay here in the camp, Yeah, you know? Like, like, and now safety is this virtue that no, that at all costs, we can't question it. And it's like, what? Like, we're going to fucking die. 
Like, yeah. like how we wouldn't have even gotten here without this shit. You wouldn't have a fucking iPhone if you were being safe, you know? Yeah. So like, and you know, like Greeks, Stoicism, all that, they didn't prioritize safety. That was like way down the list of things mm. to prioritize, you know, in order to grow. And we've been going through all this shit of like growth, self-development, self-growth, anything, whether you're working out or doing shit in your mind for your own sanity, it's all unsafe because you don't know it. You know, we've been going and training for triathlons and swimming in the ocean and terrified. Like, we've got to get in that fucking ocean now. We've never swum there. Mm-hmm. What do you do? You've got to do it. That's not safe. You know? <laughs> like, you know, even if you're yeah. wearing armbands, yeah, not, it's not, not safe. Not the way we do it, for sure. That's not the way we do it. It's extremely yeah. dangerous. Because <laughs> we can't so, swim. Yeah, yeah, Burning, yeah, Burning Man has a motto, and their motto is safety third. Interestingly, <laughs> obviously, they, they were, you know, they shut down for two years, so they didn't yeah. really exactly live by their own motto. Even but they couldn't do it. <laughs> even they couldn't muster it <laughs> against, the, third, against the winds and the pressure. Won. But... But yeah, I mean, safety is a consideration. You don't want to be fucking super... Ri- like, I think proximity base jump flying is is just one of those things. It's fucking like, man, like I understand you want to live and like wingsuit and proximity fly, but yeah. maybe not, you know, just that- like too many, too many fucking <laughs> beautiful souls that I'm two steps, you know, away from being connected to have, right. have died doing that type of thing. So maybe yeah. like they're devaluing safety a little bit too much. Yeah. You know, and there's yeah, always and there's ways, always in, which ways we, in which that you can have this discussion. It is important. Safety is a factor, but it's not the only factor. And so that's why I like that expression, safety third. Like there's a couple things, there's a couple things that are more important than that. And because uh, who gives a fuck about safety unless we're really living our, our most beautiful life? Yeah. It kind of ties into a bit of the sense of humor thing and also this consciousness thing, Aubrey, which to me is like the safety is also in not in people, right? Like you can get safe if you are just surrounded by people. And actually the fear is sometimes going and exploring people that um, are different to you or in some way represent a fear that you have. And like that is where I think a lot of where we're going slightly askew i feel it from a kind of personal view is why are these why are these people scary to you and if they're so scary mm. what's going on there right like what's happening for you that this person you can't even with a sense of humor go and explore this and have a conversation and be like whoa let, you know let's just use a figure like um donald trump right you to me, like the exploration isn't saying this is a fucking terrible human being, right? It's saying, right, what's this man? What is what's he represent? And what do all these people who are listening to him, what do they feel? You know, you can't get round that with fear. If you just go, that man's scary, that's we can't deal with that in our lives then I think we're going somewhere wrong. And I think the fear and the sense of humor both go out the window immediately. And suddenly you're like, I don't know if I, I don't know if I want to live in a society like this, that's polarized in that way, where where there isn't an investigation and a conversation that goes beyond just that's the wrong person. And there is, it's on both Mm. sides, you know, that's on both sides, but it's interesting that it ties together for me around those two things. Yeah, I mean, it's again, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. It's a very adolescent view of the world, you know, where yes, no, right, wrong, black, white, you know, all of these things, 
you make sense of them in these very simple terms because your mind is still developing. But as you grow older, you should start to recognize the nuance and recognize that there's far more same about every other person than there is different. So let's start there. Let's start there with all of the sameness, you know, and find that place of empathy where we're like, all right, I can see, like I said, through their eyes, not looking at my eyes at them and judging them, but see through their eyes. And at that point, then it's a much more interesting story. And I think we get that, right? Like think of the movie Joker, for example, you know, like Joker, the classic Batman villain who was just a villain for years and years and years in all the comic books. And then they came out with that movie. And then all of a sudden people were like, whoa, I see what, what shaped this man and what molded him and like where he was actually hoping to be loving. And then this thing happened. And so there's, we get on the inside, we get mm -hmm. on the inside of the person inside, looking out, feeling what they feel, seeing out. And then all of a sudden, yeah, he's still a villain, but we get him. We get him and there's this whole nuanced approach. And actually that movie fucked with people's heads because it's mm -hmm. actually from a meta perspective, shaking the idea of maybe there isn't such a thing as pure evil like we understand it. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's always some mixed bag of rationalizations and justifications and there are certainly evil acts, but the evil people behind them, all right, well, let's look deeper you know, and let's look deeper. I'm not trying to excuse anybody's behavior and say that they're not culpable or they're not responsible for their actions or any of that shit. I'm just yeah. saying that there's always a deeper introspection when we go in on the inside and we understand them from the inside out. And I think that's really necessary. And now more than ever, you know, and it's, it's a fucking shit show when you look at the news and they're yeah. trying to project all of these different labels and ideas and, you know, conspiracy theorists here, right-wing, fascist, communist, sheep, whatever, both sides just lobbing these, these terms where as soon as you're called that thing, you're dehumanized from yeah. what you actually are, which is a living, breathing, divine incarnation who's able to see the world through your own unique perspective, however conditioned it might be, but it's at least worthy of you know, respect and a listen. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. And it's yeah, a relief, I, 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 I think. I, I, sorry, legs. Uh, lastly, is just to say, it's the relief. The relief is, oh, fuck. We don't live in a world of monsters. We actually just live in a world full of people who are thinking and feeling very similarly, but just have gone askew in a certain way, right? Like, they, or mm -hmm. have just had a different experience to you. So there's relief in it. And that's what I'm experiencing at the moment because I, I lived in a, a version of like the dogma and was very formulaic in what I thought. And now I'm like, oh, the relief is, fuck. Actually, there's way more fun when you know that everyone's pretty much the same. And like mm -hmm. you can chat to anybody, you know, there, yeah. there aren't people that know more than you. And that's a fucking mad thing to me as a, as a young man. I was like, you will just assume that people know more than you. And, and that's, that's not true. Yeah. Well, I mean, some people know more than us, but you well, know, there's but always going to be teachers. It, they don't know it more than, as in they don't, they're not intrinsically more human than you, right? Like they're, they're, right. they're you know, you have a set of knowledge, things that you know, and that, and that if you compare that in some way, you, you can learn from people, but you aren't less human because of that. I think as a... No, or less, or less worthy or less valuable right. or less important. You know, like we each, we each are unique, unique expression that has only, occurred, only occurred, one occurred one time. And in our, in our interconnectivity and in our, and in our 
as we all form the singular one of all of life, the big giant yes, whatever you want to call that, life, love, God, whatever your thing is, we are a unique individual expression of that. And that one would be incomplete without us. If we didn't exist, it would be incomplete. It would be one minus us, which is not one. So we're incredibly important. And I think that's the thing that we're missing is how valuable we are, our unique, irreducible essences, not what we do. You know, lots of people can do what we do. And that's not the point. Yeah, it's cool to do stuff, but who we actually are is unbelievably special and beyond comparison because it's, it's a one of one. It's radically unique. And when you understand that, then it's then all of this craving to identify with this type of group or this type of identity. It's like, all right, well, my identity is my uniqueness, my unique name self. So whatever, gender, sexual orientation, political party, religion, all of that, sure, 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 add all that you want. But that doesn't matter. My uniqueness is what makes me unique and it makes me special. And, and like, that's enough. And the rest of the stuff, go for it. You know, join whatever league, fraternity, group, identity, whatever, do whatever you want. You know, you're free. Enjoy it. Have fun. Like, but do it with a giggle because you already know how completely unique and irreplaceable you are. Hi, everybody. This is Leggy from The Two Lads. Just a quick one to remind you that the Two Lads Patreon account is active and fully functioning. If you want to get involved with us and you want to invest in The Two Lads, the podcast and beyond, get yourself over to patreon.com forward slash two lads and contribute. There's two tiers right now. You can be a supporter at $5 a month. And then we also have a lad lover tier, which is 25 bucks a month. And for that, you're going to be uh, contributing and supporting The Two Lads, but also additional episodes, Patreon shout-out, behind-the-scenes content, and also ad-free content. Get yourself over to patreon.com forward slash two lads. That's patreon.com forward slash two lads. And that's a beautiful sentiment, but also it's so easy for a human to to kind of, you know, be conditioned in that trauma early on of like, not knowing that, losing sight of that and learning that their value is attached to some sort of action or behavior or belief, you know, and we, and we kind of grow up with that programming going on. And then we're try- from our local, you know, caregiver, parental environments as we grow up and then you're out in the world programmed to <clears throat> look for this validation from, you know, fill in the blank person group what whatever and and it's hard to unravel that man you know like if you don't know it mm-hmm. and it's, it's ingrained in you and uh you know sometimes a, a lot of people can't are not even you can't say that to someone that doesn't even have any concept of what the fuck you're talking about that's like pulling them out of the matrix before they can perceive it you know if mm-hmm. you're in it it's not conscious it's unconscious and how do you touch on something we can't? You know, it's dangerous to do it, quite honestly, isn't it? You know? Well, it's dangerous to force it. Yeah. Right. But you can't force it anyways. So this now potentially just opened a little doorway. 
And maybe somebody heard it and maybe it resonated and maybe it just weakened the fortress of conditioning that we have that says that our worth is directly related to our function and to what we do. But maybe these words, these words just came in and they just started to loosen the hinges just a little bit, just one screw to the left, you know, on, on some of those bolts and things and there, it's a little bit looser. And, you know, if they decide to and they want to, they can continue opening that door, you know, shaking it through different practices and through different teachings and through different ways of understanding the world until one day they can walk through the door. Now, that being said, I've walked through the door and then I've walked myself right the fuck back in, relocked the door and reduced myself back to my own, you know, I'm worth what I do. And I've found myself back in that spot again and had to then re-loosen the hinges, go back through that door and recognize that my purpose is far beyond what I do. It's to be who I really am. And so it's a constant practice. And it's it's more of, like they say, you know, before enlightenment, chop wood, draw water. After enlightenment, you know, chop wood, draw water. It's It's the same. You have to stay in the flow of things. There's no destination, but... The idea here, and I think you guys do a great job of this, is just just start loosen some of the some of the plastic the plastic tight you know kind of grip that our conditioning has on us. Just to start to shake it up a little bit, give a little bit of room, so that people can start to think differently. And then over time, you know, fifty podcasts, a hundred podcasts, conversations with their friends, maybe a plant medicine journey or a breath work or something like that. All of a the sudden, they really are changed. You know, but it didn't happen immediately. It's not, we're not machines like that. You don't like plug in new software and all of a sudden your your machine runs differently. Right. It's not that way. Not that way with the human psyche. Like we, it's through repetition. And uh, and I think that's the beauty of, of podcasts and why podcasts are so powerful is you get a thread, you get an energy from the host and the guests and the people there. And if you stick with it over time, those repetitions will start to evolve who you are. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, it's interesting how we've ended up in this new format. Well, not new now, but like podcasts and lo- long, long interviews and conversations. When we were being told, like, we were just we were into sound bites and television, giving us like a five minute little boom, like boom, 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 and that's what we want as consumers and humans. But actually, now this, what we're all leaning towards is like more like long form conversation, you know, and like yeah, and all this real information. Day. Yeah, we all want to like l- learn shit. I mean, when I was a kid, we didn't have any of this shit. We didn't know what the hell was mm. going on. We were just getting the television and then your mate who had like, you know, a book. And mm. and you were like, whatever, I'm going to play football. And so, you know, now you can learn anything all the time. And the access to information um, is just awesome. And it's it shows how every, so many people are actually hungry for it, actually you know, in this space of like, well, they would actually want to sit down and listen for an hour, two hours, three fucking hours to Mm -hmm. like people have conversations that you never would have heard ever before. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And this is how, you know, this is how one of the ways that we address the poverty of consciousness that I was talking about at the very start, which is upstream of all of these challenges that we're facing is just letting people in on conversations, not because we have everything figured out, but because precisely because we don't. And precisely because everybody listening can be like, oh, here's somebody who's asking questions, figuring it out, sharing what they know, you know, talking like for real, not just putting on a show, not like one of these 
you know, plastic newscasters that are reading off a fucking script and have yeah, a, yeah. you know, every, you, you can look at clips, mashups of 30 of them saying the exact same thing on 30 different things as if them they've come from some prime directive of, of what they should say. It's fucking nonsense. You know, people yeah. are craving something that's real. And, um, and I think that's affecting consciousness that and the, the psychedelic revolution. I mean, I think you have to point to that as some of the hopeful signs for, a lot of the things that are going on in our world and just also the craziness of what's happened in the world, the pressure that's been put on the situation, like the pressure creates adaptation. And I think we're seeing a lot of beautiful things that are emerging. If we're able to actually look and sift through, sift through the shadow and sift through the propaganda, we see a lot of beauty that's emerging, um, you know, from, from our people. So it gives me a lot of hope. There's another thing, Aubrey, that gives me a little bit of hope, which is uh, something that you run, which is, um, is it fit for service, right? This this idea uh -huh. that uh -huh. you take this and then there are people that are in action around it, right? That, that to me is such a beautiful concept is to have these conversations and then to basically have a space where then people can learn through people doing things or, or, or the service to the greater community. Um, I'd love you to talk about fit for service a little bit because it it touched me when i heard about it and i think it's a great mm. thing yeah we have so let's talk about service first you know i think people get service wrong people think of service as you're giving something to somebody and they're receiving the benefit of your service it's not true if you're doing it that way you're doing it fucking wrong you're absolutely doing it wrong the way real service is, is service is the best drug on the earth. It's like, it's just the best drug when taken pure. Like there's nothing that makes you feel more alive to feel needed, to feel like you matter, to feel like you're doing something, particularly if it's a unique type of service, you're doing something that only you can do. I mean, when I get to do that, I am the happiest that I could ever possibly be in anything yeah of course there's these immediate thrills oh i did this thing i fucking dropped 30 in this rec league game or whatever like that's all fun but like real deep deep satisfaction and happiness is the act of being in service so being of service is for you and that's why all of the clinical research shows the number one way to get out of depression is to be of service because it actually puts us in our divine recognition of who we are in the recognition that we are all actually part of the divine. We are all love incarnating and emanating from the source. We are all that we are. And it, it puts us back in a, on solid ground with what we actually are, who we actually are, and the fact that we matter, the fact that we're needed. And so when you're doing it, it fulfills you. However, in order to do it, in order to be able to offer your unique gift of service, then you really need to learn how to become fit. You need to learn how to identify your own shadows, your own darkness, your own weaknesses, your own greeds, your own ways in which you think of everybody as separate from you. Because if, if you don't do that, then service will be like, you know, if you're not really feeling it and you're going go to a soup kitchen to go ser serve soup, but you're not connected, you're not on the inside of the people who are having that first warm meal that they've had in two days and you can't feel that, then service is going to be like it was before. It's just going to be work and you're not going to actually get any of the, any of the bliss from it. And this idea of like altruistic service is also nonsense. 
like altruistic service is doing it wrong. Like, well, you shouldn't enjoy this. No, you should, of course, enjoy the service. Of course. Like, you should do this for your benefit, too. Of course. If you, if you aren't, you're in complete delusion. You know, and so I think it's reimagining this whole concept of service, that service is for you, and it's an honor to get to be of service. You know, like the right. old stories of, like, Yeshua, Jesus, and, and the ministers, like, to minister to somebody used to mean to wash their feet to wash their feet. A weary traveler. Imagine you're a weary traveler. You've been walking and walking and walking. People are, you know, there's bandits on the road. People are trying to haggle you, take advantage of you and fucking hard, hard time on the road. You get someplace and someone with a wide open heart says, man, can I just wash your feet? And that's all they want. They just want to take that moment to wash your feet. You come out of that and going like, whoa, what the fuck? Like, I just encountered something that changed my life. This guy just stopped me and washed my dirty ass feet and didn't ask anything in return. And of course, the joy of the one who is ministering, of course, they get to just blow someone's mind, just blow their fucking mind. And they get to live this life of purpose where they're, they're offering something that gives people pleasure. It's the, it's the archetype of the lover. Like the lover should be in love with the love that they're engendering in the other person, the pleasure that they're creating. Like when you're in that mutual rapture, that's what it's all about. So this is the type of service that we're talking about. But as I said, in order to offer it, we just have to prepare ourselves, have to prepare ourselves to clean out all of the different other delusions or at least as much as possible so that we can really be in, in true service to one another and to ourself and to our family. And that's what fit for service is really all about bringing people together. We go through initiations like breath works and fasting and, and cold plunges and, you know, sometimes sweat lodges, um, ecstatic dances, all of these initiations, soul wanders out in nature, vision quests, all of these different practices and come together in community and share vulnerably with each other about everything that's going on. And then, you know, you really realize that you're not alone and that we all need each other and we all get to show up for each other through all of these challenging initiations. And that's a big part of the magic is that at some point during that time that someone's at fit for service, you and them are going to have a hard time. So there's going to be a time when you need somebody in the community and somebody in the community needs you. And, and that's what makes this so powerful. That's what makes it so life-changing for people who experience it. And it's not like we're the only ones who do it. And if, if you don't come to fit for service, you'll never find this. This is just, this is the fucking formula. You know, this is the formula. Put yourself in a situation where you are needed and other people need you and something emergent can come about and you will find the rapture of service with that person or with that community, wherever you are. You know, if you're called to fit for service, great. But if you're not, it, the same formula works. You know, go through difficult things together, be there for each other. And, uh, and that's, one of the fast tracks to changing our understanding about the entire world, going back again to changing consciousness. I love that. Um, I was just, you were touching on that just then, but being of service to your lover or that, that dance in the relationship. Um, I, I struggle <clears throat> with receiving service mm. from a lover. <clears throat> um or I'm suspicious like, of, I'm suspicious of it right 
um, having that issue. It keep, I keep hitting that ceiling of like, once you start to feel someone give to you, that is it clean? Is it clean giving? Or is it, does it have an agenda behind it? And if so, you know, it, I go into this whole headspace of like, when someone's giving to me, whether it's affection or fucking gifts or anything that's starting to get me into like, oh, this, I could get used to this. She's just done the mm. washing up. You know, and I've been doing the washing up on my own for three years, and now I've got a woman here, and she's doing the fucking washing up. Oh God, now I'm not going to have to do the washing up, and then when she leaves, I'm going to have to do it again. <laughs> and so, mm. you know, real, and it's in a, this is in its simplistic form, but I do feel like, how do we? Yeah, I, I think it's just how do we know? Well, look it, at take a look. So take a look with open eyes at what you're really afraid of. Mm. Like, what are you actually afraid of? You're washing up on your own. Then someone starts doing the washing up for you. And then all of a sudden, you're back to washing up on your own. Well, that's where you fucking are anyways. Yeah. So what does it, what even, does it matter? even matter? Like, what are you actually protecting yourself from? Nothing. Like, just, just the contrast. You're protecting yourself from the contrast. Well, the contrast is just an idea made up from your memories and your expectations. It's not even real. Mm. Might as well just have things washed up while they're washed up. Who cares? And who cares? You like trust yourself. Like I think the biggest thing is, and there may be other issues there, but what yeah. I'm hearing in that, in that, which may be like an, a reductive, simplistic version of yes. why it's difficult for you to receive service. But we are all like this. We're just afraid of the contrast. Yeah. Afraid, mm. of, afraid of loving and then feeling that love go away. Well, okay. So what are we going to do? Not love? Right. Like, we're just we're just slaves to this prevention of contrast and maybe there's some evolutionary biology you know thing behind this in which case when there was great contrast then sometimes we could like lose our shit and go crazy and then things would be difficult and we couldn't keep it together but if you can trust yourself to keep it together then yeah it'll be hard but guess what you'll be fine you're always fine like yeah. you'll endure it so might as well go for it. Might as well be loved as full as possible. Love as full as possible. Oh, I'm going to get my heart broken. Okay, fucking get over it. Grieve it. Go down to the river and cry and wail and write poetry and sing songs and fucking get over it. Like, so we're all going to get our heart broken. Yeah. You know, but if we live afraid of getting our heart broken, then we're never going to be in love. And then yeah. we're going to be on our fucking deathbed looking back at our life and being like, wow, I never let myself really be loved. And that, that is a horror. That is a tragedy. The tragedy of your heartbreak, okay. I know it hurts. I've been there. I know it hurts. I don't mean to minimize it. Yes, it hurts. Grieve it. Wail it. Cry it. Let it out. Express it fully. It hurts. But nothing, nothing hurts as much as looking back on a life where you never really loved. Like Nothing is going to hurt that bad. Yeah, that's, that's I you know okay. well, you, uh, you know, <laughs> there you go, legs, you're done now. Um, I think I'm the, good. I'm uh, gonna just probably just cut it there, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Leggy and I have talked about this, Aubrey, which is how do you know when you're hitting your ceiling of intimacy with yeah. your significant other or it's not the right person? Right. Like, you know, when, when, like, there are so many fucking things that go into how we protect ourselves around right. intimacy. 
how do you know? And, and, and I've listened to you go from polyamorous to married, right? And I, uh-huh. I'd love you to talk about that journey, you know, in, in detail. But I, I'm interested because when you are in a relationship and you're like, oh my God, this is so hard for avoidance, like me, for example, and probably Leggy, is, you know, this idea that how much of it is real and how much of it is just actually, you know, this isn't the right person for you. Yeah, mm. I love that we're just now just we're going yeah. to Aubrey with our <laughs> no, Aubrey a- uncle. Yeah, no, yeah. It's, it's a great question. It's a it's a great question, and I think it's there's a bit of a paradox here as well. And the reality is is that there's always an opportunity for growth and an opportunity for you to deepen the invitation to intimacy with everybody. So there's not such a thing necessarily as the right choice or the wrong choice. It's just a choice. And I think we get this in our head that there's the right choice and then there's the wrong choice. But it's just a choice. It's just a different way to learn. So do you have somebody that you want to continue to learn and evolve with? And are they... And so I think the biggest issue is, are they someone that wants to continue to learn and evolve with you? You know, I mean, that's the fundamental... That's the fundamental question. And in, in what way and in what way are they willing to do that? You know, that's the thing about Vailana that made this an easy, obvious choice. Yeah. All right. She's a fucking beautiful goddess who can sing and dance and heal and do all of these amazing things that I love, but she's willing to continue to show up and do the work just like me, you know, and I, and I can trust that. Like I can trust that. So even when things get squirrely, cause they do, you know, she'll be moving through some stuff. She'll be painting some shitty ex-boyfriend's face on my face and, you know, do, and or I'll be doing some, some other thing with her. We'll be going through something, but we can trust each other that we're going to come back to center. And that to me is the defining thing that, that makes sense is, is somebody willing to go into the, go into the depth with you, like go into the trenches. And if that's something that you value, I think that's something that needs to be reflected in your partner. And you can't force them on a pace that they're not ready for either. But, you know, ultimately to me, that was, that was really the deciding factor. Like, all right, like we're ready. Are you ready to go all the way? Cause I don't know. I don't want to stop. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to artificially, you know, just put my, put my depth gauge. It's, you know, 30 meters or 30 feet and just say, this is, this is how far we go. Like, I want to go see what's at the bottom of the deepest abyss and what's at the, you know, what's at the center of the brightest burning star. Like, let's go. Or you want to go with me? And she's like, she's a hell yes. So that's what makes it, makes it really, you know, makes me not even have to question um, that decision is that I know that she'll, she'll go with me wherever wherever we want to go and I'll go with her wherever she wants to go. I mean, yeah, it's like, that's such a commitment. It's such a huge commitment to do it, you know, and to go down to those depths and to, to find someone that can do it with you, you know, and Mm -hmm. to, to know like, that's what we're kind of where we keep bouncing around. It's like, is, do we do it here? Is this the time to go down into the depths? You know, mm. and and yeah, I know you're saying it's a choice, but then what do you do with the feelings of this feels, I don't want to do it, or I still want to have my options open. And like, 
I've got this desire for other people and then at the same time I've got a desire to go deep with this you know it's all all the options are coming up all the time in a, in a very distracted yeah, world now as well we've had more options than ever I think I think one of the key things look I was polyamorous for a long time so I understand options <laughs> I understand <laughs> I understand the desire for that it was eight years and it was beautiful and it was torture and yeah. uh I'm I think the key thing that I realize is it's not about whether you are able to act on on what you feel and what you think. But if you don't have a partner that you can express what you feel and what you think, you're going to be alone and it's not going to work. So it doesn't matter whatever rule you want to make about what you can and what you can't do. That's fine. But the rule can't be, don't even tell me what you're thinking and what you're feeling. Yeah. Because that is the antithesis of intimacy. And that is going to create resentment that eats love. If you have to go to your mates and tell the truth, because you can't tell your partner the truth because they can't handle it. Well, that's not going to work. You know, like fundamentally you have to be able to share everything you're feeling mm-hmm. and then have them say like, I get it. I get it. You know, I'm not, I'm not comfortable with you acting on that, but I totally get it. And then you can be like, all right, cool. You know, I, I feel seen, I feel, and then you can make an honest decision. And then, you know, the whole thing, the whole thing is just an honest choice. Um, it's difficult to do that because we all have a lot of emotions wrapped up and I'm not, I'm probably making it sound too facile, too easy, you know, but, but fundamentally we have to be able to speak the truth to each other. And then ideally we get to a point where we love each other so much that we're actually on the inside of each other's experience. So we want, you know, our partner to be really happy. Right. Also minding, minding what's going to be crawling through a field of broken glass and razor blades like which is what some of my experience was in polyamory there was like the the heaven water slide and then there was the crawling through broken glass and razor blades and i experienced both and that's i had enough of that polarity i mean it was fun but it was also hell so i'm i'm in a much i'm in a much more contented and beautiful place right now Amen, brother. Amen. Amen. Um, I, I mean, I just wanted to say, like, you, you have on it, right? The your company on it and all that, and I just you are the antithesis of on it. It's <laughs> <That's laughs> such a fucking good name, mate. You know, because I thought I was on it, and I'm clearly off it, <laughs> <laughs> mate. That's your company, off it. But mate, we, mate, we've got to get on it, mate. We've got to get yeah, on it. Listen, we've got to sort ourselves out, mate. This is yeah, that's this it is now. Still, we're gonna. I, I, think you guys, I think you guys are doing pretty fucking good. Well, listen, Aubrey, we appreciate you taking the time to be with uh, me and Daniel today. The two lads podcast is it's fucking awesome to talk to you. It's a real honor, man. We I've been yeah, listening really to you is. and, and get, checking your show out for a long time. So, thank you so much for joining us for this hour and and yeah. uh, what a beautiful conversation and what a beautiful man you are. Yeah, appreciate I, that. I, I echo yeah. that. Yeah. And thank you for Likewise. like thank you for going deep Aubrey with us in 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 just like trusting us to do that. It's it's so it's so cool when we get people who live what they talk about in a way that's just like fuck yeah. Th- these are the kind of people that that turn up when you put it out there. You know, this is yeah. this is what happens when you put truth out there and you start going, oh shit, maybe I don't need to put on the guards. And then people yeah. show up and you go, oh fuck, that's awesome. What a fucking cool thing that that man thinks like that and we get to have that conversation. So thank you very much for being with us today. And um, yeah, it, we'll 
you know post and 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 keep keep the word out for for your fit for service thing because I think it's beautiful. So um, thank you so Amazing. much. Today. Thank you so much for listening to that episode of the Two Lads Podcast, episode twenty five, with our mate Aubrey Marcus. Uh, hope you enjoyed it. Hope you got something out of it. I know we certainly did, and uh, we really enjoyed and loved having Aubrey on the show. Just a little bit of housekeeping at the end of this episode is that we're going to be taking a uh, couple of weeks break now here on the Two Lives Podcast. We're regrouping, we're collecting our thoughts, we're kind of going over everything that we've just learned from this last season. It's been really awesome to have guests on the show or mentors as we've been calling them uh, we've learned a lot from them we've also learned a lot from just doing it and what we feel works for the show and um, we've been listening to your comments and getting feedback from friends and um, so we've decided to actually go back to the original format now for a little bit um, when we come back for this uh, third season you could call it but it's just a continuation at this point. Um, and uh, we're going to go back to um, episodes with just me and Daniel. So um, we feel it's where we shine the best. We feel that our dynamic between the two of us is is kind of where we can get into the nitty gritty more and, and really get real and raw in our specific way, if you will. We're also really interested in you giving us feedback. So if you have a topic that you'd like us to talk about on the upcoming episodes, let us know in Instagram uh, or in the comments or the review section of uh, the podcast on Apple, etc. Um, yeah, we, we'd love to uh, get some ideas for uh, for topics. We, we've got a few obviously coming up, um, but yeah, we're gonna we're gonna just keep doing this and um, get rawer, get realer, realer, get more real, and um, and just um, we want to get more depth, more depth and uh, grow more from uh, from this. So we're really excited about uh, moving forward and I hope that you've enjoyed these episodes with the guests and uh, I'm looking forward to bringing you more with me and Daniel on the Two Lads podcast coming very shortly. Thanks so much for listening. We appreciate all the support and um, yeah, that's going to be it for now. All right, lots of love. Yes, lad. Yes, lad.